Today on The Breakdown, it's a little bit of a poker brat alert. It's an alert for the poker brat. Is the poker brat in the building? He is not. But you know what is in the building? A breakdown about Phil Helmuth, the poker brat. He plays a hand that one of the two poker guys, I believe, called an atrocity. <laughs> the other one is, seems to want to defend the play. So that's going to be interesting. It's a uh, No Limit Hold'em hand from a tournament. It's going to be Phil Helmuth against Michael Kinney, who has won a World Poker Tour event himself, believe it or not. It was a while ago. You probably haven't heard of him. It's okay. Anyway, there's actually a lot of things that happen in this hand. And I don't know. Is it fair to say it's just not an atrocity, but just a horrific, horrific play by Phil Helmuth, the self-proclaimed greatest player of all time? I don't know. Let's find out right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. to join Berkey in hating us. <laughs> Why would Helmuth be offended by that? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, a, what? Yeah, have an open mind, Phil. What did I say? I said one of us thought it was an atrocity, and, and the other one maybe defending you. it. That's you. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought I might defend it. It's possible I'll defend this play. I'm going to be very impressed if you're able to even somewhat successfully defend this play. I've surprised you before. You have. No, no, I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying I'm going to be impressed because... I, at least right now, feel pretty clear about where I'm coming from. So we'll see. Aren't you always the guy who has to defend the horrible play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you tried so hard to defend the Elia Lezra call against Peter Eastgate. I successfully defended some Elia Lezra plays, though, that you gave me. At least one. There was one play Which once. One? Something with a Queen 10, maybe. I don't remember exactly. That's po- it's possible that you did. It's, no, no, it I, I remember it well because you're like, defend this. And then I did this whole thing. It was like on the turn. You're like, oh, my God. I agree with you. You did it. And I was like, I can't believe it. It finally yeah. happened. I mean, it's, it's like six years. Yeah. One time it happened. I mean, to be fair, it's always an indefensible situation that Peter Eastgate hand was just like awful, awful for Ellie. I don't call. even remember it anymore. Eastgate had a full house. It was obvious that he had a full house. Yeah. Ellie made a bad straight in a spot where you should never, ever call. I kind of remember that yeah. a little bit. That may have been from the same hand, like earlier in the hand. Maybe. I don't I know. I don't think. I don't was. really know. Either way. Who cares? I'm not sure this play is so indefensible. We'll find out. I'm excited to see if this play is indefensible, but I'm pretty sure this play is indefensible. <laughs> okay. But, you know, either way, we can all agree that Phil Helmuth is not the greatest player of all time, right? Who is then? I mean, it's a simple answer. Yeah. Just name somebody. Fetter Holtz. The greatest player of all time. He's like 13 years old. How can he be? Chip great? Reese. That's oh, he's dead. I can't say him either now. Correct. <laughs> Okay, fine. Dying is a leak. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Phil Hummuth would beat him heads up now. Boy, we're really... Some people are yeah. going to be offended by that. Ah, huh? well... I mean, come on. This is not the podcast for He's you, then. He's been dead for like 15 years. We can't make a slight joke about it. I understand if Doyle was upset. They were like best friends. But yeah. Like, Doyle doesn't listen to the show. Of course not. Phil, uh, Phil Ivey would crack a smile. Does Doyle have a smartphone with a podcast app? <laughs> <laughs> I do not believe he does. I, I, he does tweet, though. He does. You're right. He does tweet. So I, I always imagine him tweeting from behind like a giant computer from 1999 <laughs> that, you know, is like deeper than it is wide. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what we're talking. Oh, the best player of all time. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess it can't be Daniel Negreanu since he just lost $1.2 million to Doug Polk. Doesn't mean he can't be, but it, it hurts the case. It does hurt the case. Although one could argue, and Doug Polk might even argue, that Daniel played really well and improved dramatically and was actually pretty good for someone who never really played heads up no limit hold them in a serious way you know 
Um, and Doug, who of course played it, yeah, for a long time and very well. Uh, by the way, quick funny story. So Doug Polk sold Bitcoin to pay for his bankroll to play Daniel Negreanu. Won one point two million dollars over their twenty five thousand money. He said if he had just kept the Bitcoin and not played, he'd have won twice as much. He would it literally cost him one point two million to play this, even though he won. So it cost both him and Negreanu one point two million <laughs> by playing the tournament. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. The poker rat's in the building. That's what he, you said. He is. He's uh, the worst. He's the worst. Nobody's in the building. He's not the worst. There's worse. But he's the worst among some people, among certain pools, <laughs> if right? You, if you choose a select group of people, like, yeah. okay, should we rank the, the most hateable poker players right now? Okay. No, no we shouldn't do that. Oh. Oh, is in there. Give me, give me three other people who are in there. Viffer. Okay, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. He's a little bit gregarious, I guess, in a way that's kind of fun. I don't think he's among the most hateable. I think we may have a thing with him. I yeah. don't think the rest of the world does as much as we do, because he has a thing with us. Right? I'm struggling because I think all poker players are, are God's children. I mean, Mike Mattisau. Do you think Mike Mattisau? Okay, Mike Mattisau yeah, is you, a good one. You fucking hate that guy. <laughs> yeah. right? You hate Phil Helmuth, by the way, too, with a passion. Yeah. You hate Phil Helmuth. What? I don't hate Phil Helmuth. You hate Phil Helmuth. Every time Phil Helmuth comes up, you're like, oh, no, no. He's way worse than you think, Levy. And then you t- and you strongly try and get me on your side to hate him more. That's that's what happens with Phil Helmuth. I mean, it's true. <laughs> Why do you hate Phil Helmuth? It's a good question. I don't even know. I think I'm just jealous. Yeah, that's what it is. Of the 15 bracelets yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I think it's probably just jealousy. Haters going to hate. Yeah. yeah, you're a hater. You hate. That's, that's just how it is. You drink it has nothing it. to do with how he treats other people. Why would it? I mean, how does he treat other people? With class and respect? Of Hashtag course. positivity. Yeah, did you see how he tipped everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That fucking guy. Yeah. I don't oh. know. End of list. Phil Hummuth, Mike Mattis, how end of list. <laughs> like, where else do you go? It is hard to come up with other people. Like, I love Tony G. I would never put no, him on No, how could you hate Tony G? Right. He's, a, he's a treasure. He- <laughs> <laughs> there are other people who suck, but... Oh, you know that... Um, what the, the guy who... Christian Soto played in that hand from Live at the Bike, who we, we oh, realized. because that, he's that scummy. Guy's a, such a Because he's like a, st- yeah, he's a horrible a person. Yeah. yeah. What's that guy? New York Poker King or something? Like I think that? it was that guy. He's awful. He's an awful person. He's worse than those two guys. But he's just, yeah. Like, he kind of needs to have like, no, I think York, violence done I think to New him. York Poker King is That's a, different guy. a different guy who also does bad stuff. This guy was like, hashtag king? Yes, hashtag king. That's what it is. That's, that guy. That guy needs to get punched in the face a lot by, yeah. by big people who are angry. <laughs> Okay. Probably has happened. I guess, but yeah, but that's not like a, a real like blue chip pro. No. I mean, blue chip pros beyond... Well, actually, you know who's now in the running? Hmm. Dan Negreanu. A oh, bit. He's been... He's had a, a bit of a strange year as far as his persona. Yeah. I would say. I would say. I feel like he... he because him and he's, Doug... He feels like, like he's recovered a little bit. Him and Doug being so friendly at the end and now are like, you know, seem to be buds. Sort of like really take some of the... Some of it out of some of the like this, the sting out of it. I think it was the him. thing in the summer when he was streaming his World Series oh, stuff when he was just yelling at the Discord server or whatever. Yeah, it was oh. pretty bad. And you, honestly, like when he would do his uh, like analysis afterward with uh, the GG poker guys after playing Doug each each day, uh, he was not as bad as the stuff you're describing, but not great. Like where he would swear a lot and just sort of like curse his bad luck. And as Doug, Doug said this. Uh, and I agree. He sounded like a one-two fish. Yeah. Like complaining about bad beats constantly and all this stuff. And it's like, come on, man. Like, get it together. 
you know. But, sure but that's I'm, not that's not like a hateable. I'm thing. I'm sure we're omitting somebody. Of course we are, but let's move on. Let's move on. Let's let's hashtag positivity to this thing. Let's name some of the most oh. likable blue chip poker pros. Okay, who are the most likable? I think Doyle Brunson's right near the top of that list. Yep. Despite certain his political views, few points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. even um, so, he's old. We sort of give him. We I, sort got of a, give him a break. I got a guy who, assuming he's not a scammer or anything, which yeah. I really don't think he is. There was a scare. Is kind of universally loved. Phil Galfond. He is universally loved. You yeah. are right. Here's a guy who was universally loved. I would say until very recently, and I don't even know if we have time to get into this whole thing. But Mike McDonald. Oh, because of the whole betting site thing? Terrence Chan with thing, Terrence yeah. Chan, Which yeah. maybe we'll talk about that on our next podcast, because I actually would like to have a real conversation about it, but we've already been talking for a long time about this other stuff, and I, I don't, don't want to... Who cares, <laughs> but by the way? because well, we're going to do another podcast uh, anyway, yeah. and why... Yeah, we can get into it another time. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it next week. Okay, but anyway, with Mike McDonald, I disagree that he's on the same level of affability as Galfond. Like, sure. Mike McDonald still has kind of that analytical walled-off thing going on a little bit Agreed. that Galfond clearly has the mental capacity for, but is does not display openly. That's fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. All right. Other likable players. Scott Seaver's pretty likable. A he's, little bit he's a little sour. A little bit sour. It's hard to find someone who's genuinely... I will tell you, when I play with Jesse Sylvia, he is one of, among the most likable people I've ever met in my life. Mm, okay. I couldn't believe Ooh. what that guy was like. Okay, that, I got a guy who okay. I've played with multiple times who is super likable, and we've talked about him recently. Upeshka da Silva. Ah, yeah. Upeshka is just guy. a ton of fun. Yeah, He's a really cool. fun, fun guy. Cool. Yeah. Oh, um, I don't know if she counts as blue chip, because I don't think she's actually very good. Uh-oh. But she's really likable. Fatima DeMelo. Oh, she is likable. Yeah. She's not blue chip. No. She was just a famous field hockey player. Yes. She won so the Olympic gold. So the poker stars people made it out as if she was a big deal. Maybe in Europe she was like more famous than she would be here, but they really kept, they really acted like she was a big deal when, uh, from a poker point of view, she yeah. wasn't. Like, no offense, Fatima. You, you know this somewhere in your heart, right? It's okay. See, Matt Berkey's like, all we do is hit pieces, and here yeah. I go. Here I go, taking more shots. Hit pieces is all we do. It's yeah. true. I mean, I know. mean... Maybe a little bit. We're going to go after... I'm going to go after Phil Hellmuth today. I'll I'm going to defend Phil Hellmuth today. You're going to... We'll, we'll see if you defend We'll Phil. find out. Let's see. I'm excited to find out right now. Let's get into it. I bet you're excited because you suggested this hand. I did. It was, you know who suggested this hand to me? The YouTube algorithm. Okay. So thanks to... Uh, I don't know. What, what is our overlord's name? Whatever the Google AI is that will eventually rule everything. Oh. Uh, or is it nameless? I think it should have a name. But Jeff. it should be difficult to pronounce. Oh, I was thinking like Jeff or Glenn or something. Oh, that's, I mean, Glenn is a little bit hard with the second N if it has two N's. Or even one N. It's like, it feels like something's missing. It feels like, like you're saying it wrong. He's like, you're supposed to say Glenn. Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. sorry, sorry, Glenn. We, Glenn. We, uh, we respect your power and your influence over us, and we don't want you to destroy us. At yeah. least first, you know, like save us for last. And thank you for, you know, incepting the hand yeah. into me. And here I am now taking credit for it. Please do not punish me. <laughs> Overlord Glenn. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So Jonathan, if you were not one of the poker guys, would have suggested on Twitter. Yeah. We are the poker guys on Twitter. It's pretty easy to find. When you suggest a hand, please include a YouTube link or a link of some type or some information about the hand. You know, as much information as possible about the hand. And if it's a video, make sure you tell us what time in the video it is or timestamp it. I mean, you should know how to do this by now. I mean, if you're a new listener, you might not. Listen to all the shows. If you're a new listener, you might be listening to this show. You yeah. will eventually listen to old shows because you will be swept off your feet. Yeah. But 
if you're not already by us, you know. I mean, this making opening lists, has been incredible. Making lists of hateable people. <laughs> we tried to bring some optimism. I mean, you know, there's a lot of diversity in these openings. Like this, this opening was pretty petty and mostly aimed at, at harm and yeah. and kind of shallow, right? I think that's right. The last opening that that I listened to of our podcast, because I go back and listen to some of our podcasts, was when we were talking about like Buddhist philosophy and and hedonism and a bunch of other different random things. Shakespeare we yeah. talked about. So, you know, there's a lot of diversity in what happens in the opening and you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, we got a big, big range there. Wide range. Yeah. Super wide. Yep. It's fun. Speaking of super wide ranges, let's not talk about Philomath because that guy's tight. He's a knit. So did he. And he has a good hand in this one. This yeah. is from the Professional Poker Tour? I believe that's what it was called. Professional Player Tour, actually, I think okay. is what it was. This was an offshoot of the World Poker Tour where you had to be invited to play, I think. It still costs money, um, but they put some extra money in the, in the prize pool as well, like an extra 50000 or something like that. I never heard like that. I never heard of this. It only lasted one season. Mark Seif was the commentator, the like color commentator, and... You probably don't even know who Mark Seif no. is. See, that tells you a lot about it. It did not catch on. Let me just say it did not catch on. But I watched every episode because I was huge into poker on TV back in the day. That, like was, that was a bit of a, a phase back during that era of poker to have these like invite-only professional things. This Premier League and uh, Epic Poker Tour, yeah. right? Yeah. And I guess the, the public just didn't really have an appetite for that. I think, I think what keeps the public interested in poker is the, the any man can do it type of mentality. Uh, I think you're mostly right. And by any man, of course, I mean any person that was just using a wow. word. That's why I said mostly right, not yeah. entirely right, because I was obviously thinking, well, women count too, and you didn't say that. So any the rest person, of your sentence, the rest of the words in your sentence is the most part, and that one word I was, was trying really to wrong. You know, derive from every man, you know, that, that whole like... Every person, you couldn't say that though, huh? No, I understand. You I couldn't, couldn't say. Why could you say? Why would you say every person when you can say every man? You know right? what? Of course. I'm going to go home and look in the mirror and come up wanting. Yeah. But... Before that, I'm going to do this podcast. Okay. okay. Yeah, that sounds good. With Phil Helmuth, who is a man. Opening. <laughs> opening the hand. So I don't, I don't really understand the payout structure of this thing. It doesn't matter. It's just it's a early. Hand. It's early in the tournament. All right. So Helmuth has 30K. He's in the hijack. He's got ace queen of hearts. He's not nitty enough to fold this one. Right. He's going to raise it. It's 200, 400, by the way. Yeah, he's going to make it 1,200. It's 2006. It's okay. Everybody was doing it. Yeah, it's 3X. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. It's still fine, by the way. It is. It's a little. It's a little much, but who cares? Yeah, right? it's totally fine. So, keep in mind, it is 2006, so things are a little different. Yeah, we don't even really know if it's 2006, but it's around 2006. That I thought I, that that was like looming large in my head. 2006. Isn't I've that? said 2006 multiple times. Oh, okay. Already, as if as if that's when it was, but I just sort of made that. It up. feels like 2006 yeah. when you watch it. I mean, it's right around 2006. Let's just say that. It makes it more feel like it'd be 2006 that Michael Kinney is invited to the professional poker <laughs> tour because he won his WPT in 2004 yeah. and has since done not much that would get him invited into a national TV professional poker And by thing. not much, you mean absolutely nothing. Well, he's won like little mini stuff. Right, which would not get you invited into right, right, a right. national TV thing. Right? Yeah. He's done that one thing. He won 600000 and change and that winning a WPT event in 2004 and the rest of his career... He hasn't done anything that would get him invited into this event. That's okay. It's just true. Mm. Okay. We can, it's not, I'm not taking shots. I'm just spitting facts, dropping knowledge. Like hot fire. All right. So Michael Kinney is the next act. He's in the cutoff. He's got King, Queen of Spades. He is the effective stack. Hey, I should have done the math and figured out his stack before yeah, we started the podcast. Yeah, you really should have. But guess what? I got caught up thinking about who's the most hateable and Damn. didn't do it. But you know what? We can do it real quick right now. Okay? Yeah, it's not going to take long. It's, uh, 
So we got that much. It's like a 22,000 chip stack okay. or so. 20 to 22,000. Got it. A so quick... he's got like 55 blinds. Yeah. Great. He's got king, queen, and spades in the cutoff. He's going to call. Sure. Seems fine. Yes. Everybody folds, including the big blind. Pot's going to be 3,450. So we got Helmuth out of position with ace, queen of hearts. Michael Kinney with king, queen of spades in the cutoff. And I think it is important to note, which you noted to me, that the commentators mentioned that Helmuth doesn't know who Kinney is. So it doesn't have any sort of situational read on him, probably. Right. And, and to be clear, uh, Mark Zeke doesn't actually say he doesn't know who he is, but says like he thinks Helmuth has almost no experience playing against him. So because Kenny doesn't play at most of these events, you know. OK. So, yeah. so it's possible he doesn't know who he is, but it's possible he's played a tiny bit with him. But whatever. The flop is a very good one for Kenny. Yeah. Ace of spades, jack of spades, five of hearts. Of course, good for ace, queen of hearts for Helmuth as well. But it's a lot more exciting to have the king, queen of spades on this board. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So I'm curious how you feel about Helmuth's line on the flop because he decides to check. Do you think that's a mistake in a vacuum? Yep. Because of the wetness of the board and the range advantage? Exactly. The ace high nature of the board and the wetness of the board seems like this is just a bet kind of all day long. Like we're almost always ahead. We're losing to ace jack. What's it's, it's ace jack five, right? Yeah. Maybe po- in pocket fives. Maybe, I guess ace five suited. Maybe pocket jacks sometimes. Yeah, okay. But basically, we're we're ahead most of the time here, and uh, and like because we're out of position, it's really problematic. I think to check like we're giving a free card a lot um, against like the king ten of diamonds type hands. Yeah, or? just yeah, hand, or even one pair of hands like jack ten. We're yeah. just giving a free card where they're going to check right back, um, where we could be charging them. Uh, and it's hard to like, like, is the plan to check call? It's hard to get like to maximize value by checking here. Cause like if we check raise, we're going to blow a lot, not this hand, but we're going to blow a lot of hands out of the water. Like almost every worst hand may, may bet fold. Like ace 10 might bet fold here if we check raise. Well, right? we're going to get to talk about that because that's kind of what happens. Jonathan. Yeah. Nice, nice vision into the future. Ooh, how do I do that? I don't know. It's kind of amazing. I'm like, I'm like uh, David Blaine. If he had like the ability to see into the future. He kind of does, right? Yeah. Like, that dude is amazing. Let's be real. You can make fun of David Blaine all you want because of his weird demeanor. It is weird. Yeah, it's pretty weird. But he's earned the right to have that weird demeanor with the crazy shit he pulls off. And if you don't know what we're talking about, watch every David Blaine Netflix special because, oh, my God. It is awesome. It is truly fucking great. Like, as a person who, without knowing anything about David Blaine, like, knowing he was a famous magician, thought he was a weirdo and was like, that guy's a weird person and I'm not interested in David Blaine. And then Netflix suggested that I watch a David Blaine special. Like, you know what? It's free to me. Let's watch it. Let's see what happens. And I was immediately enraptured. Just like incredible stuff that David Blaine does. He is somehow a great entertainer. Yeah. There's just no getting around it. Well, it's not just that he entertains well and like sets it up. Well, it's obviously the tricks themselves are absurd. No, he's, he's a fabulous magician, but he's also a great entertainer. He's super compelling. Yep. There's just no getting around. Kind of like Phil Hamuth. Phil Hummy's greatest trick was not making you realize that he is actually the greatest of all time. I mean, I think Phil Hummuth would say that David Blaine, you know, could take a page out of the Phil Hummuth book of entertainment, you know? I mean, if he called himself the magician brat, something like that? No. What? That's the Phil Hummuth book of entertainment, right? The magician brat? Yeah, because Phil's the poker brat. Antonio's the magician brat, if there's a magician brat. I, we already have a magician. Think about the structure of the name, right? 
the magician is a poker player's name. The poker brat is a poker player whose name is the poker brat. So the magician brat is going to be a magician who's also a brat. That is actually pretty well said, and I'm yeah. kind of coming around on it. I, I hate it, but I'm kind of coming around. Now, there's an easy rebuttal that you could make, which is that Antonio himself is a minor magician. He actually does know yeah. some sleight of hand yeah. and stuff like that. But well, we do call him the magician. Yeah. So, you know, it seems okay. I would really, I just think the bratty magician is way better than the magician. The magician brat just doesn't roll off the tongue. The bratty magician rolls off the tongue? Yeah, it's like, a, it's like an annoying 12-year-old. The bratty magician. Mom! <laughs> you know? Mom, like, where's my cape? My wand is missing! You know, like Guess that. where I put your shoe? It's somehow inside a grapefruit. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bratty magician. <laughs> that is not what a bratty magician would do, though. If it was David Blaine, it would. Ah, yes. He likes to put stuff in fruit. Okay. But anywho. Totally normal conversation now <laughs> on a poker podcast, as always. Yeah. Welcome new listeners, as we like to say. As Kenny. Okay. Is there any reason to ever check here for deception or something? Because, like, fuck that. You have the super nuttiest draw of all time. You could just be like, hey, he'll never guess that I had a flush or a straight draw if it comes in. If fuck I- that. Bet the fucking hand. Okay. We, we have King High. We're almost always losing right now. Let's try and get him to fold because we don't always get there, right? We only what get makes there like you say the we're time. almost always losing? You think he's got a lot of pocket pairs, or what? Do you what are you putting? Like, what hands are we? Do we think Phil has that he's just checking that we're losing to that we're that we're ahead of? There just it aren't really many. depends on what Phil's checking range is here. Like he has to have like Queen Ten and not bet it. Yeah, right? or you know he could have other suited connector type hands. He might be having and just like check that six, on seven. this board. Maybe he's, he's usually going to see bet this on the, on these boards when he's heads up. You would think, yeah, usually. There's a few. Okay, there's a few. That's fair. But like, then we're, we can get bluffed. Are there, hands, so. are there hands that we're going to fold out by betting? Well, we're going to fold out the hands that if we check might bluff us on turn and river. So that's so the, good. the hands. Okay, but using your theory of what yeah. Helmuth would be. Oh, okay. Are, are there any folds in Helmuth's range? Oh, um, I think if he's got like two sevens, he might just check fold. Yeah, he might. And even if he doesn't, he's going to fold a lot on the turn if we bet again, which I think we should. Like, we should be betting... Pretty much all turns if he calls, right? Pretty much all of them. Yep. So, great. Like, he'll call with most of his range on the flop, and he'll, he'll fold a big chunk of that on the turn. We can size it up a little bit. It'll be great. So, in 34.50, how much do you want to bet? On this board, we don't have to bet a huge amount. I want to bet, like, 1,600. How much do you want to bet? I want to bet more. Yeah. I want to bet like 21, 2200. How come? I think Phil's going to have a lot of, especially on something called the professional poker tour, when Phil's got that in his head, he's going to have a lot of calls that we don't want him to call with. Like, sure, we have probably 60% against a lot of the hands that he would call us with that mm-hmm. we're actually behind, but I'd still rather fold those out. It's, it's better expected value just to get the fold. Yeah. I mean, at the same point, as long as we acknowledge that this is a multi street plan, of, you know, like sometimes maybe we can fold them out right on the flop. But like if we think we're just barreling the turn a lot, then it's less important that we get the fold right now. Right. Because like he's just going to fold a lot of his range to two barrels. Yeah. But that said, that doesn't mean to say like it's not better. to. It, it's got to be good to get him to fold two sevens right now instead of give him more reason to hang on yeah. or something or, you know, whatever, two nines or something. Maybe he'll just throw it away. He makes some weird folds, that guy. He does. That's true. Kenny goes small, though. He bets 1,200. Wow. In the 34.50. That's a weirdly small bet. Feels a little too small for this flop. That Now it feels like Phil almost is going to call with two sevens when you yeah. bet 1,200. Yeah. 
But I guess maybe that's just 1200 more in your pocket when it's seven doesn't hit the turn and you bet again. Yeah. Or also you get there a lot. Yeah. All this is true. Yeah. All right. Here's the thing that we talked about earlier. Phil does raise. Yes. He makes it 5K. He's got ace, queen of hearts on the ace, jack, five. Went for the check raise. Hmm. Talk yeah. about your obvious problems with this play. Okay. Well, the ob- obvious problem number one is it's hard to think of many hands that we're beating that are not going to fold. This is one, like, big draws. Yeah. But, like, the next best hand down, ace-10, really might bet fold here. Maybe it holds that's, on. That, that's a huge question, right? Yes. Like, it's possible this guy is holding on with every ace. Yeah, okay. I mean, now I think you'd have to hold on with every ace on this board. Yeah. And maybe back then, because the board's so wet, maybe you, maybe you do anyway. Maybe. In that case, you're, you're setting yourself up to... You're probably not getting more bets in, right? But you're getting the bad you're getting, aces. Are you're getting the five K in before scary cards come. That's true. That's true. I don't hate this play, honestly. It's not that bad. No, the th- one of the things that makes it not as bad is that uh, Kenny bet so small. So now, like the raise feels like it makes more sense to me. You know, if Kenny bet a normal amount and and Phil raise, that feels different. Kenny now feels like weaker. Um, maybe trying to like get a cheap card, you know, for the be able to check back the turn. Kind of a thing to play at his draw, you know, six, seven of spades or whatever it is. Um, we can also be more confident that we're ahead almost always when he bets 1,200. Not always, but like you figure if he has a big hand on this wet of board, he's just going to bet more. Especially in 2006 or whatever yeah. year it is. Like they always bet more when yeah. they had it. Always back then. So like, so I think Phil is also like check raising because he's just like, oh, I always have the best hand here. And maybe that's, maybe that's a big part of it, which is fair. I mean, the it, problem is I'm just worried about folding out so much. I worry about that too, but I think maybe... Maybe you make some money here, depending on the type of player you're against. If, if Kenny happens to be kind of a fuck you type of guy, which yeah. I don't have any idea about Kenny at all. Neither is Phil, apparently. So this take this with a grain of salt. But those guys aren't going to fold an ace on a wet board when you check raise them, and they feel entitled to the pot. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, is Phil Homieth really check raising on this board as a, just a bluff? You would think he would have a draw. Like a monster draw or have you crushed? Like, that's it, right? So, like, if you you have a bad ace... Now, I don't know what Kenny would actually do. You're probably supposed to fold because you're doing so badly against that range. Now, it's possible that this is an error-dependent exploit that Phil is doing where Kenny bets so small and Phil's like, well, when Kenny bets that small, he's going to level himself into thinking that I'm attacking him a lot and he's going to have to call with a lot of his hands. Boy, I would think that would be... This is too early for that era. I feel like that's like a 2014 kind of That was actually the year I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. 2006, 2005, 2007, wherever we are, feels like this was just... They just folded like... Okay, maybe maybe that's the case. I think. I didn't really play in in those years, so I don't have a sense of it. Yeah. Um, I don't hate this raise either, having said that, because I feel like if we just call... Whatever card comes on the turn, it's going to go check, check some crazy high percentage of the time. And so like... Taking control back, taking initiative back can't be that bad. I would rather just bet it myself rather than checking. I think that's probably the better play here for Phil because there, yeah. it's a range advantage. We actually have a good hand that we don't have to fold, you know, to aggression. Like, lots of good things about it. And being out of position, I just want to put chips in and not let this guy see cards for free. Um, but I don't hate the check raise. I agree. I, this was not the, the atrocity, play, no, I know. by the way, just to be clear with yeah. everyone. Yeah, it was not. I actually, I think it's okay to mix this in your game. I agree. And this is maybe the weakest hand we would do it with. That isn't a big draw. Yeah. You know, the weakest, like, I don't think you're doing it with ace-10. No way. Yeah. Because he could really have ace-queen. Yeah. Let's see. Helmuth does have the backdoor flush draw. His little bailout, too. Which is nice. Yeah. 
Now, the question is, what would Phil do if Kenny moved in? Because Kenny's got kind of a good stack to do that. He's got, you know, like 4X Phil's bet hmm. remaining. So it would be a big shove, but it's a wet board. It's a weird one. I mean, we're not losing to that many combos of things, but like all of them might move in. Like and the things that we're losing in. to have us in deep shit. Ace Jack, Pocket Fives, Ace Five suited, right? Yeah. Those are the three things. There aren't too many combos of Ace Five suited left. No. But two at most, right? I mean, Pocket Fives has us in deep shit. Yeah, we're fucked. Yeah. I mean, Ace Jack pretty much has us. And we got three outs against Ace yeah. Jack, unless a king comes on the turn, right? right? I guess I guess a 10 could come also. We could, we could go for straights. Yeah, yeah. Too. It's but, The equity is a lot better against Ace Jack than it is against two fives. Yeah. A king is actually our, our next best card besides a, a queen, I guess, in that spot. But like... It's it's pretty bad, yeah. So, so that that's a bit of a problem for the, for this play as Phil. Phil, I would hope Phil, and we're saying that we don't think Phil's play with Kenny much, right? Yeah. So if Phil like knows enough about Kenny to know, like, well, if he moves in, he always has it and can fold. Or if he moves in, like, he there's a lot of times he's just not going to have a. I'm, this is a good. My hand's good, and like as long as he has a clear plan with this, I don't mind either way. Actually, I don't mind him check raise folding if he's got a if he feels like he can play perfectly against Kenny here. Sure, you know what I mean. Um, I just, based on what Mark Safe said anyway, it sounds like that he wouldn't know that. Well, you know? all of that said, Kinney has a candidate hand to move in. Oh, my God. Perfect hand. Which Phil is behind equity-wise, at least according to the show at the time, Phil had 46%. Really? Yeah. Unless because of other folded cards or Could something be. like that. Yeah. Could be. Either way, it's like 50-50-ish. Yeah. And absolutely should be a call from an expected value perspective, but you might end up folding against that hand if you're Phil. Yes, exactly. Like, I think Kinney probably should move in with this hand like this is that's the next thing to talk about yeah because kenny calls and that gives me the icky feelings he calls five thousand so now there's gonna be twelve thousand in the pot if you include the blinds thirteen thousand four fifty oh, okay so it's gonna actually gonna be a little more than that and how how much is left how much does he have left twelve thousand five hundred so he's got oh that's terrible that's just a horrible play that's a hugely that's a big mistake yeah um because now Phil can actually blow him off the pot. So I overestimated Kenny's, Kenny's stack a little bit. It's more like 19K than 20 to 22 to start the hand. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but whatever. Like that, even if it was 22, if it was 3K more, it was the same problem. Yeah. We'd have the same problem. Like we can get blown off the hand on the turn when we have all this equity and now full equity as well if we move in. It's a clear move in. Yep. Like you can't bet that little and get check raised and not move in. Like. That's just insane. It's also you're, you're adding 12 and a half blinds to your stack if Phil folds, which is great. With King High. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a, and if you get called, it's completely fine. You're 50% yeah. against almost everything in the deck except sets, basically, right? And, and to be clear, the 12 and a half blinds I'm talking about is just the 5K that Phil put in. Like, that's just already given to you on, yeah. this, on this flop. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, this feels like a super obvious move in. And it's a, I, I, I agree with you. This is like icky, bad, go back to your room. This is the indefensible play in the hand. This is clearly indefensible. Let's see if it's the indefensible play. This is clearly... The, I don't know. I mean, what players would make this play now that weren't ranked amateurs now? Now, 2004, maybe it was different, or 2006 well, or whatever. But there like, is, now. like, the the whole, like, Sam Greenwood yeah. sometimes will call without the right odds with a flush draw because yeah. then he's the only guy between him and Stephen Chidwick who could not have a flush right. when the heart comes. But that's, like, the super meta-level, super elite guys doing it for a different reason. Yeah, seems. and I don't know if they would take this hand in this spot and do it yeah. that way, you know? Because it's but like, maybe they would. Maybe they would once in a while just to make it impossible for them to have the flush, yeah. right? Yeah. And then they have it. Right? But I think that situation was with Greenwood having, like, way more blinds back once yes. he called, so he wasn't in disaster zone. Like, he still had, like, 65 blinds after he called in case things didn't work out. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. 
Um, he just called like a pot size bat, basically. When with, you really can't with one card to come with just the flush yeah. draw, and they're not flush draw, but still, and it worked out fantastically. It was exactly the way it was supposed to go in his brain. Yeah, yeah, it's nice when that happens. Anyway, back to this hand. Yeah, I feel like this is bad. This there's, is really, really bad. By I Kenny. mean, there's like nothing to say about this except this is clearly bad, and I assume. By now, if they didn't already immediately agree, they our, our audience either agrees or will never agree. Well, know? I think if assuming this is 2006, <laughs> okay, this might be peak knit Phil Helmuth, right? Like the nittiest version of Phil Helmuth that we've seen around this era. I mean, he's check raising with one pair. It can't be that nitty. It, that can go along with being nitty, overvaluing top pair. Oh, uh, interesting point. Yeah, and 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 valuing protection more than equity. Yeah. Um, so okay, good point. So if this is peak knit Phil Humuth, let's give Kinney the benefit of the doubt for yep. a second. And maybe Kinney's aware of this. He might be like, I literally have no fold equity here. Like, why would I move in? The, the reason to move in, though, is because when the spade comes, you may not get paid. So you have to move in so that way you always yeah. get paid. If you're about 50-50 anyway, but you don't get paid when you get there, that's a terrible situation. But you always get, if you move in and you always get paid when you get there and maybe you have fold equity, you have to do it that way. Yeah, I agree with that. You should move in. Yeah. There's just no... There's no defending this one. No, there's not. Sorry, try, though. Sorry, Michael Kinney. It's okay. You, you know, he's the third winningest player in Idaho history. It's true, and that's cool. He has like 900k yeah. in wins overall. I mean, I don't know about the losses, but we know about the wins. That's true of every time we mention Hendon's. Yep. I mean, but, it's it's unlikely that Bryn Kenny is down lifetime yes. with his 50 million in earnings. I think it's very unlikely, and I will say Daniel Grani was also probably yeah. up, and some of those other guys too. I'm not sure about Mr. Kenny. That's okay. That's okay. But he might be up. I mean, I don't know anything. I just know how he played this hand in this spot, and we don't like it. This this one decision. This one decision. This is, one decision. It just feels bad with 12,500 back when, when Phil gives you just the perfect... Perfect uh, move. The bunny. He, he sets you up with the bunny. Is Phil calling, by the way? That's what, it, that's what we were talking about before, right? Yeah. Like, what do you do if you get moved in on? I guess it comes down to your perception of the player, especially if you're Phil at the time who was hyper-exploit. White magic, baby. Yeah, you figure it out. You look at him and you talk to him and then you make the wrong decision because it feels like Phil always makes the wrong decision in these spots. I think probably <laughs> the equity would bear out that you're supposed to call, but it will be close if you construct a range that includes only combo draws and two pair plus. Ugh. It would probably be like, yeah, I have like, I'm I have like 38% one. equity against that range, yeah. but I'm getting two to one, so I have to call. Yeah. Type of thing. That sucks. Which Phil folds in those spots. Yeah, I think, he so. does. He does. He thinks like his edge is big enough that he's supposed to protect. Which, you know, maybe he's right. He's won 15 bracelets. He's won 15 bracelets. And honestly, here on the PPT, like, you know, Kenny's calling in this spot. Maybe Phil really does have a big edge. Yeah. It was a long time ago. I mean, if Phil ever had a tournament edge, it was... 2006 probably right i mean it was probably like 1994 well, or yeah. whatever when he won you know back when he was first won the main event but yeah i hear you when okay here's a, here's an interesting question here we go this is just a weird random question when historically in poker could phil helmuth's thirty thousand dollars go the furthest at the world series of poker during the entire series like give phil helmuth thirty thousand dollars what year had did he have the highest expected value with it's, that money? It's so weird that you just came up with thirty thousand dollars. That's yeah. such a weird number to just yeah. Well, okay, fine, ten thousand dollars to be just, more. Well, now that's the main event, right? So we're just talking about the main event. If you say ten, yeah, so that's why you wanted to give more than ten. Yeah, yeah I, I want to basically yeah, give, the, give him some events. Yeah, give him some events. Okay. Like the question is like you have to balance the size of the fields with the skill of the players, right? Because like in nineteen ninety four, the fields aren't big enough to make like the the mm. top end outcomes good enough. Well, he won the main event in. I don't know what year it was anymore. 90. 
91? It couldn't have been 89, right? It could have been. Maybe it was 89. He was the youngest ever when he did it. Yes. I would guess it was pre-Moneymaker era. That is $30,000 is going to go the furthest. So it's like yeah. basically before all the shit goes, gets really big money-wise, where he's like really far ahead of a lot of players. Like he's C-betting almost everything. He's seen as this hyper-aggressive, crazy dude. I think he actually was like kind of had, was ahead of the field for a while. Yeah. Now, maybe not the entire field, but like almost everyone for a while. And I don't know how much he's changed yeah. in the last several years, maybe a little bit, but not a huge amount. And uh, so I would guess it's like not the 90s, somewhere in the 90s, 1997 or something. I don't know. 2004 had to be pretty good, right? So much dead money. There's a lot of that's the you're right after money maker. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's pretty good. You know, it's just harder to win. Yeah. There's so many more people, it's harder to win. And but people haven't really figured out poker at all yet. Well, like, like what was first place in like a fifteen hundred dollar event in nineteen ninety four? Like oh my god. Sixty three thousand dollars or something. Yeah, that's true. That is true. But it's so easy to make the final table. <laughs> yeah. Like Phil like makes the final table all the time in those spots. Yeah. You know? So I don't know. Like, that was back when they were always like, Matt, remember Matt Damon and Rounders? Like, there's a reason why the same five guys yeah. make the World Series yeah. Poker main event final table every year. It's yeah. like, because, yeah, no one's playing. That's yeah. the reason, Matt. Because <laughs> the fields are like 84 <laughs> players. Yeah, yeah, and everyone's terrible except like those five guys who are like pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> they understand that you're supposed to raise suited connectors. They would they all read, get destroyed now. They read Super System. <laughs> they would all get destroyed in a 5 10 game now. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, they may, maybe not true, but probably true. I mean, Mike McDee would get fucking obliterated in a 5-10 oh, game. Mike McDee would have gotten obliterated then in a 5-10 <laughs> game. <That laughs> you did was, get obliterated. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Teddy KGB was clearly a technically better player than Mike McDee. It's oh not talked God. about enough. <laughs> Obviously more skill. Obviously. Anyway. I mean, Mike McDee gave away the fucking Oreo tell. What the fuck is he doing? When the you got to break a man quickly. Or Why? That Why? Didn't, that, that didn't really follow for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're going to win. You now know your guarantee victory. Why would you do anything to fuck that up? Come on, Mike McD. You're fired. Anyway. <laughs> you can't work in my shop, Mike McD. Where are where were we? Ah, 2006. Right. It's so, uh, the, the, so we got a call. We got a call. And, and we think we're not sure if Phil's going to call or not. I, my guess is Phil folds because he's a nit. And he's like raising partially to see where he's at. Yeah. Partially to charge the draws. And he gets moved down. And he's like, ah, I can only beat the combo draws. There aren't that many of them, which is fair. Everything else has got me beat, which is also almost certainly true. And I think he faults. He might even be right, too. All right. Let's move along. Thank God. Let's move along the nitrogen train. Yes. Boxcar to boxcar. Something new in each boxcar on the nitrogen chicka, train. Chicka, chicka, chicka. So boxcar one, Jonathan. Yes. Open the door. Quickie, 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 quickie. That was the door opening. They need some grease in that door, That's but okay. you know what? It's not about the door. It's about what's inside. Yeah. Which is the Poker Guys monthly tournament. Holy shit, Jonathan. It is what a tournament. What a tournament. It is blowing my freaking mind, Grant, because they give away so much money in that tournament every single month. It, it's becoming a bit a bit of a thing. Well, now that Bitcoin is, as of this recording, $52,000 per coin, and they're giving away... Uh, what? 100 millibits. 100 millibits. That's $5,200. They're guaranteeing. They're not giving that away, but they're guaranteeing that much in the prize pool. And they cap the player pool at 300 players. We usually get like 200. That means you're looking at like $4,000 worth of Bitcoin just Yikes. in there for free every I month. I mean, are they really going to do that this month? Are they really going to put 100 I mean, millibits? Don't mention it to them. Maybe I'm, they'll get away. I'm with, not going to. They didn't, I'll tell you this. I played the last one because it was so much value. I'm like, I'm playing it. I don't know. Like, how do I not play this? And uh, 
you know, they, they it was still a hundred millibits then. It's possible that they're so flush with Bitcoin as a yes. Bitcoin only site that they're like, whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, you're, you, you, the general public should take advantage when you use the link in the description of this podcast. We've been talking about this tournament forever because it is great value because they cap the player pool at 300 players. Not that we even get 300 players. No, we don't. There's a thousand buy-ins guaranteed. That alone, that's good math for you as a player, no matter what the buy-in is and what the guarantee is. But when the buy-in is literally $5.20 or the equivalent of that at the time of this recording, it yes. might change wildly by the time you actually <laughs> yeah. play. But it's, it's a decent amount of, of a guarantee of $5,200 with, like Jonathan said, almost 4000 of that being put up by nitrogen for sure. Yeah. The equity for you is absurd. Absurd. It's absurd. Take your coin flips and don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, fine. Oh, my God. Gamble. It's amazing. This deal is like, it's good. It's a good deal. You got to take it. I, and Grant's right. Sooner or later, nitrogen's going to wise up yeah. and like and cut it down. It's going to happen. So like, take advantage of this while you can. It's going to get. They're going to. They're going to eventually cut down this price pool because it's just getting nuts. It is. They're putting five thousand dollars in. They're they're literally losing four thousand dollars a month on top of what they pay us. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. This is crazy. Get 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 it while the getting's good. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think we even need to go to the other box. Fuck cars. everything else. No, that that was the whole ad, and that yeah. was a good ad. <laughs> <laughs> Self assessment complete. All right, the pot is thirteen thousand four hundred and fifty right now. Okay, we got Phil Hamuth with Ace Queen of Hearts and Michael Kinney with the King Queen of Spades on the Ace Jack Five Two Spade board. The turn is the Four of Spades. Michael Kinney makes the nut flush. Yeah, congratulations, sir. Sure. Phil checks. Yep, I think he got to. I mean, I guess you could bet small. But checking makes more sense. You me. have to check. Like any any, any non spade, you can keep betting. Any spade, you have to check. I think that's basically it. We're just worried about getting action. Yeah. Like ace n might fold anyway because we just check raised. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, sh- it should fold when the spade comes. You're right. We have to check. Here's the more interesting decision by Michael Kinney. He checks back. By the way, he checks back like instantly. Like Phil checks and, and Kinney's like hand is already hitting the felt, like checking as well. It's weird. All right. So what up with that, man? I don't know. It seems bad. Okay, he's clearly trying to set a trap and get another bet out of Phil, and he's worried that Phil's just going to fold, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, he does have about a pot size bet left, so maybe it makes it a little bit better to Thinking check. Phil's just going to jam on him on the river. When, when he checks back, maybe Phil will be like, oh, he doesn't have spades. I can bluff him off of his hand or whatever. Or Phil has a, or Phil has a value hand, checks again, and we can jam, and now Phil, is, it's not as clear that we have a flush. Yeah. You know what? I don't completely hate this check. Yeah. Because we have a pot size. If we had more than a pot size bet, I would hate it. Yeah, I agree. Because we can still sometimes get all in. Yeah. Like there's, but if we, if we bet with any sizable amount here, like Phil's got to know his hand is basically trash, right? We call the check raise and then the spade came, came and we bet. Unless we're, unless we're truly awful. We're not betting ACE 10 or something like that. Right. Right. So I guess yeah. we could have ace ten with the ten of spades. I mean, like, would we really bet that? It doesn't seem like doesn't it. doesn't really feel like it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not, it's, it's an unusual decision on its surface, but I don't hate it either. Yeah, no, I actually think it's fine. Yeah. It, it seemed weird at the time, but I'm okay with it. If we still haven't gotten to the big atrocity play. I'm no, looking we're gonna forward get there. to it. I'm looking forward to By it. By the way, the defensible good play is what I call the it. The defensible good play. Yeah. 13,450 still in the pot. Okay. River's the eight of hearts. So, yep. Kenny still has the nuts. Yep. Ace, Jack, five, four, eight with two or three spades. Helmuth has ace, queen of hearts. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to like this part. Why, why are you laughing? I'm just laughing because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to like the, at least the initial decision by Phil on the river, which is to bet. 
Huh. He bets 4,500. Really? Is it because what, what part don't you like? The bet at all or the, the sizing of the bet? I think the bet at all. Okay. Talk about that. I don't really feel like he's going to get called by weaker aces when he bets really? 4,500. Not too often. I mean, what is Kenny putting him on? Let's say you're Kenny and you have ace yeah. 10. What do you put Phil on that you're beating? Because the spade came yeah. specifically. Um, I mean, Phil losing his mind a little bit with a worse ace pre and then, or not pre on the flop and now betting small as a blocker. Got to give Phil more credit it, than uh, that. A blocker, but Phil does shit like that. But you, on you, uh, like casually mentioned, but correctly, I believe on the flop that the bottom of Phil's check raising range would be ace queen. And you've made hands. Yeah, yeah. And you were giving Phil that. Credit. You're right. You're right. I was saying that. And that's fair. Um, heads up when he was playing with Antonio, he does crazy stuff, but it's much, it's many years later and it's heads up versus this. very different. It's thing. a different thing. Yeah, you're right. No, that's fair. Um, okay. Ace 10 should be losing to everything. That's, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I guess the problem for Phil is he's worried that if he checks, all the other aces are just going to check back. Right. So he's trying to get value from those aces and doesn't know how. So that's why he doesn't think he's like, there's no bluffs. The bluff would have, the bluffs would have happened on the turn. So now it's like, I got to try and get value of those aces. They're a hundred percent checking back, which I think they are. Ace yeah. 10's checking back, right? Yeah. Like how does ace 10 get value? It can't. No, it can't. So, but that, neither can ace queen from Phil Hummel. It seems hard for ace queens in just a terrible spot. Cause I don't know how it can get value no matter what it does. Yeah. That's just the, that just sucks. Yeah. I think it's a check white magic spot. I guess the way you get, yeah, maybe, yeah, check white magic spot. Okay. That's, by that's the way, that's the, that's the new thing. You know, instead of check, figure it out, it's check, <laughs> check white, white magic. <laughs> yeah. This is a clear check white magic spot. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I like it. All right. So Phil bets 4,500. I'm not a fan of this play. Yeah, I guess I'm not either. Kenny moves in. Not much to say. I mean, you has got to. to. I mean, if you made it nine k, that would be absurd with twenty five hundred behind. That seems incredibly stupid. Move in. I'm yeah, glad he did. This is the thing that Jonathan thinks is atrocity. Yeah, here we go. Phil calls. Yes, Phil Horrible. calls it off. Horrible and is sad. Horrible. All right, let it all out. Tell me why it's so bad. I mean, what hands in the world is there is doing this? What hands in the world are doing this that we're beating? It's a good they question. call the check raise on the flop. The spade came on the turn. He moved in on the river. What hands in the world does he have that, that we're beating? He, he's turning ace 10 into a bluff. Give me a fucking break. There's only one hand I can think of and nobody would do it, <laughs> especially in 2006, but King Jack with the King of Spades. Which would have had to call the check raise on yeah. the bluff and have a pot size yeah. bet left, which he wouldn't have done. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it seems like I'm not going to be able to defend this one. <laughs> it didn't take very. You were no. so sure you were going to be. I say one thing and it's already over. Well, no, it's because like I was thinking mostly about the turn and how like it's tough for Phil to put him on a flush. Right. So then what does he have? Because he's not moving in with two pair. Um, when Phil bets 4,500 after it goes check, check, he's probably not moving. in. With I would pair. assume he's not. But here's the thing. Whatever he's moving in with, it's better than what we got. Right. That's the problem. Because he's not moving in with a worse. Well, unless hand. it's a bluff. How does he have a bluff? You just can't come up with a bluff. I can't. I That's can't. the problem. Yeah. If you, I agree. Like if it was even, if the board was instead of being, what is it? Ace, Jack, five. five. Yeah. If the board was King, Jack, five, two spades. Now at least he can have queen 10. Yeah. But he's not calling the check raise with a gutter on no. the flop with, with a pot size bet left. He's just not doing it. Yeah. I and don't he's, think. And he's bluffing the turn if he did. I don't think this is defensible. I, I think you're right. It's an atrocity. Is it worse 
than the Kinney decision to just call on the flop. See, it's tough. Yeah. This is this is the real challenge. <laughs> it is tough. Which play do you hate more? It's tough. It's tough. I mean, this is bad. I think I hate this one more. Because at least the Kinney one, you can do the whole, well, sometimes I have balance now, and you can't put me on this hand even when the spade comes, and, you know, that kind of a thing, at least. I mean, it's not great, but to me, that's better than this, where I can't ever come up with a way we win, <laughs> Yeah, you know, by calling here. I don't know, like... It could be the the Helmuth mindset at the time that led him to do this of like, he still has this, but at the time he for sure had the, the kids are all coming after me mindset. Yeah. And Kenny looks relatively young in the video. Like maybe he's like, this kid's just coming after me. Cause it, and to be fair to Phil, if you watch stuff from back then, maybe not yet in 2006, it was a little bit later, but the hyper aggression was like absurd and completely unwarranted in, yeah. in all cases. Like Benny Spindler was not actually very good. I think <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he was, but he, like maybe Benny Spindler could play any style and be good, but like the level of like seven betting that he was doing is not not good right. with like Queen Four for no reason. There are a few guys who are going to actually take this line that Kenny took and not have it. There are a few, but they are very very few of them. Back then, even less so, I would guess. But even now, this line in this spot. You're just not going to see it almost ever by almost anyone, right? There's a few crazy motherfuckers out there who can actually call that check raise, check back the turn when checked to them with a pot size bet left and a scare card coming, and then move in on the river after Phil bets. There's a few. But man, if you don't know for sure that that this guy is one of those very few dudes, you know, then like, like, well, it's it's the easiest fold in the world. Yep. Right. And this guy, there's no reason to believe he's one of those people. And here's an example of how good of a person Phil is. He he calls the dealer cold blooded for for that. Really? Yeah. The dealer. It's the dealer. Well, well, I mean, does that surprise you after that the big game hand? Well, he doesn't say he he doesn't say like that was cold blooded. He says you're cold blooded. I am not entirely sure. Okay. Because that's really different. Well, I mean, would it surprise you if he said it to the dealer based on no. remember that big game hand where he's like any other card. He's like showing the dealer like, his cards. I, I don't lose a nickel yeah. if you put the uh, yeah the ten of clubs up there. Like but, a yeah. very intense version of blaming the dealer. Oh, he does it a lot. Too. Yeah. yeah. No, it's really unimpressive. Um, he's not the only one, of course. No. But he, you know, he's one of the most famous players in the world. And a lot of people, you know, like look up to him and shit like that. And, and he's a model. He's a, he's a role model. And boy, he does not live up to that. He's, no, I haven't seen him do that in a really long time, in fairness to him. It's been a while. So that's good. But he's the highest profile dealer br- blamer. There yes, is. yes. You know? There's no question. And he probably still does it a little Don't bit. Don't blame the dealer, people. It's not. It's really dumb. It's not cool. It's really dumb. It, it really, it, it makes you look stupid. Yes, it very much does. And we're going to make fun of you if we ever see you do it. Because you deserve it. Yeah, because you absolutely deserve yeah. it. Just like Phil. Phil deserves it. Terrible call. <laughs> Is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have-